Welcome back to the weekly anime performance review. The show where we review the performance of anime weekly. We are your three high-powered anime business executives. I am Juliet, your dwarf in the flask. I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew. And the best weapon is a piano. So, uh, we are back again to discuss the second half of uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood this week. Uh, last episode was on part was on the first 32 episodes of the show, and this episode will cover the second half from episode 33 through the end. Uh, and I am most interested right off the bat in just hearing Andrew's general thoughts, because uh, this was his first viewing of this show. Chris and I had both seen it before. So... Uh, Andrew, do you have any general impressions of the second half of the show? It was really good. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, um, I think probably the best journal statement that I can say is that I think it does a really good job of using all the characters and making you feel like everyone contributes. That is definitely true. I mean, uh, even the characters from Leora come back <laughs> at, at, towards the end. Um, and some some anime like characters are in an episode and then they just get forget about and they're like oh yeah that person's a thing or they'll have like 30 characters and only five of them will get to do anything mm -hmm. yeah it feels like almost every character that has a name has some important role to play in this series which is really cool <laughs> and some characters that don't have names do as well such mm -hmm. as Scar's brother <laughs> Yeah, Scar's brother is the funniest character to me because, like, I didn't realize, I, I I never really noticed the first time I watched this, like, he's the linchpin of the whole thing, but he doesn't have a name. Or the man wearing glasses. The man wearing glasses was, um... Oh, oh, the, the, the gold-tooth doctor. The gold-tooth guy, yeah. yeah. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, that's what he's called on the, on the, on the commercial bumpers. I do like that uh, they always say Full Metal Alchemist on the commercial bumpers, I, unless a character just died, and then they don't. Which only happens, like, two times. Um, yeah, I think Wrath gets one. Fu and Buccaneer also get one. Man, I love Buccaneer. I love all the Briggs guys. <laughs> I think one of my favorite, like, de I think one of my favorite little details of the, 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 the concluding arc when they're all storming Central is that like Mustang's men are all super careful to not kill anyone because they're just they're trying to like be as peaceful as possible. And like Buccaneers and like the, the Briggs men are just like slitting people's throats and, and doing all this crazy shit. <laughs> they do not care. I should mention you don't love Buccaneer, you loved Buccaneer. Yeah, he, he does beef it. It's true. Although I guess you can still say that you love someone who's dead. I really didn't remember uh, the second half of the show as well as I thought I did. Uh, I remember the first half of it really well because I had I had the DVDs of like one through thirty two exactly the chunk we watched for the last episode. So I think I've watched that more than I've watched the second half because I think I've only watched it all the way through like twice before this. But I've definitely watched the first half more than that. Uh, like so, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't quite I didn't remember at all. Like I did not remember Kimberly being as major of a character as he is. Same. I didn't remember Ed like basically using his own soul to heal himself when he got impaled. I did not remember that at all. I didn't remember how much of the second half of the show Ed and Al spent separated from each other. 
I remembered them being split up, but I didn't remember the actual details of what happened while they were. Did, did we talk about Kimberly uh, in the first half? In the first half episode, he only showed up for like the last two episodes. Right, he wasn't an important character. Yeah, because like I think he gets he gets released from prison like one or two episodes before our cutoff point, so he really hadn't had much time to like be a major character yet. Uh but he's great. He's the dang Joker. Like, <laughs> I, I was disappointed in him the first time I watched it, and yeah, he did more stuff than I remember. But he was still kind of a letdown. You think so? They say he's a major threat, but they don't. He doesn't really do anything. Right. Like I feel like his presence in the series speaks more to. The homunculi's control and is more an extension of them rather than his own power. Like it could have been done by a homunculus or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, I think most of the homunculi are accounted for at that point, though. Well, yes, but like Envy even could show up and it's like, well, you can't just kill him because he's like... Masquerading as one of the men, or, or like as a soldier or something like that, you know? Although I think he's been captured. but yeah. I, I think like the what really cemented me as liking Kimberly more than I did when I first watched it was, um, was when he like fucks with pride from the inside after he gets eaten at the, at the very end. Like that was neat. Just because he's like, oh, all these tormented souls, I, I'm the dang Joker, so it's like music to me. <laughs> he's not exactly the Joker, but I, I just, I call any character who just like loves violence and is a psychopath the dang Joker because I have a disease. My big thing just is that, okay, sure he does that, but, and I know they kind of talk about why, but like, why? <laughs> like, I don't know, this thing that he's been pushing to achieve, he's just, not gonna because he's like haha you should stick to your morals too and it's like but dude you don't have any yeah he he's he's a little bit of a a wild card mm -hmm. but regardless of your opinions on his character he has the drip <laughs> that's true yeah like uh I think one of kind of the flaws of this show is that so many of the characters are in the military and just wear the uniform most of the time so, like, he's not technically in the military anymore, so he just has the drip. Like, he wears an all-white suit and a white hat and a scarf. I think he it's is cool. still in the military. He just doesn't care. I think they discharged him after he murdered people. Yeah, but then he gets released and does stuff on the Fuhrer's Order, and I don't know. Well, yeah, but they never address him by rank. They always just call him Mr. Kimbley. That's fair. Yeah, I think that Kimberly is supposed to be, like, he's reinstated as a state alchemist, so, like, he's technically not in the military, but he still holds the equivalent rank of, like, a major, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, did, was Pride even revealed during the first half of the show? I don't think he was. No, he wasn't. But yeah, I already mentioned it, but Pride is the last of the homunculi, uh... Who is Celine Bradley? It's it's the little boy, uh, and also Sloth. Sloth is kind of lame. <laughs> yeah, 
Sloth's my favorite. Like, I'm not going to argue that he's not lame, but... He's definitely the most relatable. Oh, definitely. Like, I think, I think we, I, I think we all, we all can relate to Sloth. Just like, we've all had a day at work where we're just like, what a pain. Yeah. Also, voiced by, voiced by Patrick Seitz, who is Dio in English. Or right, I do love um, when he's surprised dying because he's evil and everybody evil dies. Um, he's like, oh, it's a pain to die, but it's more of a pain to live. And I'm like, yep. Ah, <laughs> uh, if only we could all be like father and just like externalize our sloth from ourselves. So we could actually get something done. <laughs> right. I mean, just do things. Just get rid of everything except for lust. <laughs> Be full horny. You think I haven't already? <laughs> um. Uh. So Sloth is kind of a nothing character. However, uh, like the his part of the final, like, like his part in the final battle where he's fighting the Armstrong siblings and the Curtises, fucking slaps. Like that's one of the better fights of the of the concluding arc. Alex and uh. Sig fighting him together being muscle bros. Like, uh, Izumi Curtis effortlessly flipping Sloth over her shoulder will never not be funny to me. <laughs> I think she's one of the best characters. Izumi Curtis is the real mommy. Literally. Uh, I'm, um... Everyone talks about Olivier, but everyone gives... Everyone's sleeping on Izumi. I mean, she's taken, though, is the thing. For now. And Olivier has a sword. And like her her like signature move with the sword is to like stab people through the forearm so that she can like keep them from getting away. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Izumi also has a sword at one point. I think she makes a sword in the end. Yeah. Yeah, she she likes to make weapons with alchemy like Ed does. But Ed doesn't like he doesn't do it that much for how it was his like signature move that he showed the fury. Well, part of it, part of it is that he's part of it is that he tries to not kill anyone. Fair. <laughs> like he could very easily just turn his auto mail arm into a machine gun and just unload on people literally. <laughs> hey, I mean, Ed got his leg cut off. You can do that and still survive. And also, uh, one thing I really love about the. And you really start to notice it more in the second half is how they they subtly change the way that Ed is drawn over the course of like the second half of the show. Like he gets subtly taller and that starts to, they start to point it and his shoulders get a little more broad, uh, which gets pointed out in the first half. But like they also start drawing his jaw a little more square, a little less rounded. Um, so it just has the effect of making him look more adult uh, in general. Yeah, well, not that I'm sure they had an easy life before this, but they're so young to do all this. It's implied that some time passes, so by the end they're 16 and 15, I think. I think so. Because I think there's a two-month time skip, like, between them going to Briggs and getting separated, and then, like, them preparing for the coup. And the coup is, like... From, like, I think episode 50 all the way to the end. Yeah. 
And it's basically like every character comes back in some capacity that's not dead. And there are a few scenes that I really want to flag up uh, from the second half of the show to talk about. And uh, what actually wound up being my favorite scene on this rewatch um, was when they finally get Scar over to their side. Like when uh, Ed and Winry confront him in like the abandoned building in the north. What's, it, what's the town's name? Bischoff? But... Uh, like the scene, it's the scene where they they have Scar restrained, and uh, Scar is like, Winry, I would understand if you want to kill me because you know I'm about revenge, and you have you certainly have cause to have revenge on me, but Winry's like, I'm not going to take revenge on you because like what point would that have? Uh, and Scar's like, damn, revenge is kind of bad actually, and he stops. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's kind of one of the main themes throughout this thing is like the cycle of revenge and ending it and all that mm -hmm. right because he has a flashback to that uh to the ishvalan elder he met uh in that refugee camp earlier uh who said that exact thing to him and he didn't listen at the time and he learns his lesson from a 15 16 year old girl yeah i mean welcome to anime shonen. <laughs> yeah anime i think something i really liked about like, they kind of foreshadow Scar's, like, full arc back in episode 5 when he's, like, fully introduced because, like, Armstrong says to him, alchemy is half destruction, half construction. And so it's like, at mm -hmm. that time, he just has the destruction half, and then by the end, he has taken on the construction part. Like, he, the fact that he accepts the constructive parts of alchemy is, like, the linchpin of their whole plan to stop Father. Because, like, Scar is the one that actually activates the circle that reverses uh, Father's circle. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Scar wound up being one of my favorite characters in this watch, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, just his arc is so, so satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and they, they kind of mentioned this, but it's not that you're supposed to forgive people who have wronged you, like, grievously wronged you. But it's like getting revenge doesn't fix anything. Because, like, he he doesn't for, he doesn't really forgive Amestris, and also, Winry doesn't forgive him, but they both acknowledge that, like, just causing more destruction is just going to n not make anything better. So that scene was really, really cool to me. Also, a lot of, like, Chimeras actually become pretty major characters towards the end of this show. Uh, there's Zampano and Heinkel, and those are the two the, whose names I remember because they were funny. Darius, and I don't remember the fourth one. Who Ed only ever refers to as Mr. Gorilla. I think it's funny how at one point when they first meet, Hohenheim says, calls him Mr. Gory. And Hohenheim's stuff, I really took more notice of it than I, the first time mm -hmm. I watched the show as well. Uh... Like, another, another scene that really got me was uh, the flashback to when the photo he carries around was taken. Because we never see his face in that photo. Like, there's this scene in the first half where he visited Winry's grandma, and he took the photo off the bulletin board to take with him. And we didn't see his face, but when we get a flashback to when the photo is taken, uh, Trisha, the, the boy's mother, says to him, uh, even you know, even if I get old and decrepit, we'll still have this photo. And he's crying in the photo. He's he's crying from what she says to him. Mm -hmm. Like that scene, I never. I don't think I noticed it the first time. I I think I just it just kind of 
went past. I was I was a dumb kid when I first saw this. I don't show. even remember that scene, the fir- from the first time. Yeah, so much of this was like new to me actually, which I was pleasantly surprised by. A lot of this was new to me too. <laughs> so thank you for picking it, Andrew. I'm glad I got the chance to rewatch it. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, not that I thought it was going to be bad because like it's heralded as you know one of the best anime. I mean, I think it's still, like, ranked at the top of Mal all time. Oh, and I I love, like, what the answer eventually is to getting their bodies back. Mm -hmm. But, like, what winds up being the the thing you can actually... There actually is one thing you can pay the toll with to restore someone. And it's your ability to perform alchemy. Like, Ed gives up his gate uh, in order to bring Al's body and soul back. And it's implied that Al figured it out first because, like, when he when his soul rejoins his body, he's like, "Well, we have to leave it up to brother now." I feel like that's more just Al has a lot of trust in Ed, not necessarily that he knows the answer. Yeah, but just that he trusts his brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that Al figured it out. <laughs> well, like, if Al figured it out, why didn't he do it? Fair enough. I think he might have like, figured it out right then, or so, I don't know. I want to give my guy Al some credit, okay? <laughs> Alphonse Elric is trans, and you can't tell me otherwise. Before I, I did. I don't think Alphonse is trans, but I think you can... Like, you can treat his arc as a trans metaphor. I mean, I, I mean, Alphonse is trans asterisk... And then if you check in the fine print, it says the asterisk is his story can be interpreted that way. He is mm-hmm. not. I don't think he is literally trans. Yeah. It mm-hmm. might be better to more say it's more of a, like a body dysmor- dys- yeah. God damn it. dysphoria. Um, yeah. So it's, it's gender dysphoria and body dysmorphia. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I meant is- at least. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's confu- It's funny because I have both. It, isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I think, I think that I think that the dysmorphia kept me from realizing that I had dysphoria for a long time. So, fuck you, body dysmorphia. Also, gender dysphoria, but that's. <laughs> I think a lot of things in shows and stuff can be taken as like body dysphoria, dysmorphia. Yeah. Shit. You just said it, and it body immediately dis- Body dysmorphia, gender dysphoria. Okay, dysmorphia. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but I think a lot of, like, things in shows can be taken as that, mm-hmm. of people being uncomfortable in their own body type of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, ev- like every story, like, basically every, like, Joseph Campbell hero myth, you can say, oh, this is about being trans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the steps in the hero's journey is he finds the secret elixir, which, I mean, come on. Uh, so, what I really wanted to get into with the themes for this one, uh, you you guys actually assumed uh, that my like my big surprise like themes segment was going to be about the trans reading, but no. <laughs> there is definitely a, you can read both of the Alec brothers as trans. I would say, but that's beside the point. Uh, no, my big reading for this is like. It's a coming-of-age story, but a different kind of coming-of-age story than we typically get. 
because part of growing up is realizing that like the stuff you learn about your country when you're a little kid isn't actually true, right? <laughs> I not that I totally agree, especially considering I live in America. Um, but I think you can generalize that more to just say stuff that you are told as a kid about the world normally not true. Yeah. Right, because um, so like they join the Amestrian military because you know it'll be good for their careers. It'll help them get their bodies back just because they have access to all these resources and everything. Uh, and it turns out to not to not be all it's cracked up to be because Amestris um, is literally built like on a foundation of violence and war and. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert! Such, it's, it was built to be a giant sorcerer's stone. Yeah, I mean, it was it was literally like, I mean, the whole country was like engineered for the purpose of that. Yeah, by the homunculi. But like the thing, so. So they realize that their country is like literally built on violence. And if you live in America or Canada or really most nations in Western Europe, your country was also built on violence. Like obviously in the case of America, we genocided a lot of people to take their land. Uh, and like the wealth of England and France and Germany and, uh, and a lot of other countries in Western Europe was built on col colonialism and like continued exploitation of the global South. So. Like, part of growing up is realizing, damn, this sucks, actually. Are we the baddies? <laughs> Are we the baddies? Uh, so so that's, that's, like, my take on it, is that, like... Yeah. And, like, Amestris is much more explicitly fascist than I realized when I first watched this show. Uh, like, aside from just having the, the, the leader of the country be called the Fuhrer, obviously... But like a lot of like the rhetoric that the like the generals who are in on the plan use is very fascistic because they talk about like oh even if you die because of the philosopher's stone you're still like a part of something like because fascism is all about like oh it's like a death cult that glorifies dying for the country even if it's pointless uh, so that's their justification for it of course why like they, they're allowed to live and everybody else was like will sacrifice themselves for the cause. Even though they yeah. never consented to sacrificing themselves for the cause. Well, um, part of what they say as well is like, oh, we're we're better. We're they don't quite say chosen ones, but it's like, oh, we're we're the elite. We deserve to be saved. Mm -hmm. Type of thing. I think they do call themselves the chosen, don't they? Do they? I think they so. might. Yeah, that's like the the generals that uh, that like the homunculi have duped, and it's kind of implied that they're not really going to actually. I mean, the one general was like, oh, we need to get to the center of the circle. Mm -hmm. So they knew about that. Just the issue was, hey, there's a coup, so nobody yeah. can actually get here. Well, I think it, I think it was going to be like a, the same situation with the King of Xerxes, where they, uh, Maybe. where like he thought he was going to be made immortal, but no. I think, I think it's more if like everything had gone exactly to plan, they probably would have been immortal. But father didn't care enough about them to make sure they were there. Yeah. Also, I mean, fun, also fun fact: uh, Xerxes was an ancient king of Persia, and Amestris was his wife. So that's that's fun. Nice. Right? That's where the name comes from. 
So if you know your Achaemenid history, you can uh, predict the where this show is going to go. But I always think it's kind of funny how the homunculi all die in like, like not necessarily ironic, but like in ways related to their sin. Like Lust is killed by Mustang because she threatened Hawkeye. Uh, Gluttony is eaten. Like, Sloth dies from exerting himself. Yes. Pride, like, pretty much throws away his pride as a homunculus to become a human. Uh, Envy dies Which while... Which is what causes Cambly to be like, you suck, actually. He doesn't actually die, though. Yeah, well, like... But... Yeah. Like, he... Yeah. I mean, like, he actually just becomes a human and decides to live life as one. He becomes Selene for real. Yeah. And, uh... And, uh... Mrs. Bradley gets to raise him. Mm-hmm. And then Envy dies, like, after expressing envy for humans and, like, their ability to band together. When I was a kid and I watched this show, I, I, like, got mad at all the other characters for stopping Mustang from just roasting Envy. But this time I, I understood more where they were coming from. I think I've grown up a little bit in the intervening years. I mean, to be fair, they're like, it's not that we don't want him to die. But it's that yeah, hey, you they're not to trying not to save envy, but, but but they're like Mustang. You're trying to rebuild this country, and you're letting yourself kind of go off the deep end here. And then greed dies, uh, giving up his life for Ling. Yeah, greed dies selflessly. Yeah, but like also like well, I feel like they set it up to where like. Wanting to save everyone is also greed because it's like you don't want to lose anything. Right. Well, and that's something that um, they talk about is that like greed's like, oh, I want to take over the world, and then Ling, yeah, um, he's like, no, really, what you wanted was you wanted friends. <laughs> you wanted people to look at you and support you. You know. Because, like, this is when everybody's cheering on Ed as he beats the shit out of Father. I, I love the scene where, like, everybody... The, where, like, everybody's just, like, shelling Father and just unloading every bullet they have left into yeah. him. I love when Reese's just, like, kick his ass, Ed. I also love that after Mustang loses his eyesight, she just becomes, uh... He, she just, like, sights everything up for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, like, as a sniper... Yeah, that's her thing. That's, that's great, yeah. And I do like how um, Roy loses his eyesight because he's forced to do human transportation, blah, blah, blah. But um, when Mark is like, hey, I have this philosopher's stone that you can use to save yourself or to get your eyesight back, he's not like, oh, no, I'm above that or whatever. He's like, hey, I want my eyes back. Mm-hmm. Give it now, to Gene Havoc first. <laughs> yeah. Part okay, one thing was... I, I I like I remembered for some reason when I was a kid, like I, I, I was like it it was like it's like a Mandela effect thing where I was sure that like Gene Havoc showed up in a wheelchair and like was shooting people like it was in active <laughs> combat in the final scene, but that didn't happen. He just like, goes to he helped with he helped with the he helped with the logistics, but he didn't actually fight. But I I, I, sw- I could have sworn that I remembered him fighting in the end game. I always felt like I imagined Mustang losing his eyes at the end, just because, like, it's something that I just... Like, I remembered it happening, but it never felt like I actually watched it happen. It was just, like, a dream, and so I was like, did it really happen? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel that way, too. It's, it's, it's so funny, because, like, I think I was, like, 15 when I first saw the end of the show, and it's been literally 10 years. And then we watched it again when we were in college. The big thing about this show is definitely, like, it's about, like, realizing that your country is built on violence and working to change the system, uh, working to break that cycle. Because, like, it's all, like, it's about, like, stopping the cycle of violence on both the micro and the macro scale. And, like, being self-sacrificing in order to do it. So, like, that was my big takeaway. So, break the cycle. Make everything better. It's about the belief in science and religion and kind of, like, a how they intersect with each other with alchemy being like like it's treated it's a science but it's also treated as a religion and how like humanity like uses science to try to become god when they don't need to and that's why it ends with ed giving up his gate and his ability to do alchemy because he realizes he doesn't need to use alchemy for everything because he he just doesn't need to. Yeah, there's there's a bit of that. Uh, there's also a bit of that theme of like, what am I trying to say here? Like the the idea that like the pursuit of knowledge is not necessarily an innate good, like we sometimes think mm -hmm. it is. Like sometimes it can be dangerous. Like like that that's father's whole thing is that he just wants to like accrue power and knowledge for its own sake. When, like, and, you know, it goes back to the, the line from fucking Jurassic Park, where it's like, you, we, we spent so long thinking about if we could, but we never thought about if we should. Yeah, I mean, that that's similar to what I was going to say. Not that I think it's the main theme, because I, I think it's... I don't know what the main theme is of this. I, um, I really like the breaking the cycle of violence angle. Friendship! <laughs> uh, keep moving forward is another big one, where it's regardless of all the bad things that happen to you, if you just stop, then all those bad things are meaningless. And, like, like it's like when Hughes dies, his wife says, if you just stop now, then that means his death didn't mean anything. If you keep going, then it meant something. Yeah. He died early. Yeah, episode He died 10. in episode 10. And there's only, like, three main characters good characters that die yeah it's him it's um i keep thinking barracuda and that's not it buccaneer yeah and greed i guess does he count foo. well i guess greed too but foo yeah it's really funny because like hughes and scar's brother like figured everything out way before every other character and scar's brother is already dead at the beginning of the show and <laughs> hughes dies early he just puts together like the, all of the like the places where violence has happened in a mistress form a circle. Yeah. And then he gets shot. Which is he even an alchemist? No. No, he's not. He's just a guy. But like I love this show. Please watch it. It's so so good. Also just like the production of this show is still yeah. incredible, obviously. It's, it's like this yeah. is like really I think this is really what like gave Bones the reputation of just, like, being the guys you go to when you want really good fights. Yeah. So, uh, I give this one 10 pocket watches out of 10. Our next episode, which will be dropping on the 3rd of June, is Carol and Tuesday. Uh, and then after that, there will be a poll on what to watch uh, 
for the second half of the month of June, and your choices are Black Lagoon, Arcane, or Kotaro Lives Alone. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Wappercast, uh, to vote in that poll, and also just to send us some love, you know? Uh, that's all we've got for you this week. I have been Juliet, your dwarf in the flask. I've been Chris, and what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets? And I've been Andrew, and have you ever started reading a fanfic, and then halfway through you realize, oh wait, this is just Pirates of the Caribbean, and then like a year later, you forgot that you've read that, and then you start reading a fanfic, and you realize like halfway through, wait, this is just Pirates of the Caribbean? Anyway, uh, that's all we got for today. Beat boot ravioli. <laughs> oh, one more thing before we go. <laughs> Put this in the episode. The only fanfic that I ever read, like, completely unironically in my entire life, uh was a fanfic of a 2003 Fullmetal Alchemist anime where Al manages to bring Ed back, but he gets his gender gets swapped in the process, so, Ed, so Ed's a girl now. And then, the, the and then I was completely blindsided back? when I turned out to be trans. Imagine that. You mean Ed brings Al back? No, in the... It, it, I would have to explain the whole ending of the 2003 anime.